0: Morning Crypto.
1: Good morning warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto. Where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from some of the top crypto researchers in the world. I'm your host Abs joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion Mr. Johnny Crypto. Jenna X is joining us on this Friday and we've got a renowned educator in the crypto space and now a leader of the XRP community. Jeremy Hogan is joining the show, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how on July 13th, 2023, Ripple received a ruling that many are calling the crypto ruling of the century after Judge Torres labeled XRP not a security. Today, we discuss the impact of this ruling and what it will do for American institutions as well as the ICO process in the United States and what this could mean for similar projects going forward. And with renowned lawyer Jeremy Hogan joining the show, we break down the details, showing our community how the floodgates have opened for American institutions. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, this is a massive episode, but we're going to get it started with a video that Jeremy may not be expecting. Before we get into it, how you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. Abs, I'm
0: feeling great. Happy Friday to all the Warrior Maniacs. Good morning to everybody. I am super excited because not only do we have Jenna here, but we also have the man, the myth, and the legend of the XRP Trilogy, whatever you want to call it, Jeremy Hogan in the house. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hop into it, Abs.
1: Absolutely, and we got two special guests this morning. Jenna, thanks for being here and making time for us. I see you're in a new location, so you may not want to disclose it, but are you on vacation, <laughs> and how are you feeling?
2: I am on vacation, Abs, I'm hot 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 sunny place it is actually the desert and it's amazing i am so excited to be here on this friday morning with you guys and attorney jeremy thank you so much for joining again it's always an honor i know we have an amazing show planned i cannot wait to get in so let's do it
1: and jeremy before we get into your introduction we're about to play a video i think all of our listeners should be aware of so guys here we go and now we go off into the sunset
2: and that is what you saw in the last video it was beautiful but no Jeremy was not happy with that take because he wanted to go faster. And this is what happened.
3: Now we ride off into the sunset.
2: Now we ride off into the sunset.
0: look
1: at this <laughs> well jeremy lucky for our listeners you are a better attorney than you are a boat driver that's
3: coming from oh the- my <laughs> lord
1: <laughs> but how you feel my friend first of all thank you for being here this morning you could be anywhere and you made time for us so we appreciate that but how's the dock? is it repaired give us an update we'd love to hear
3: so actually what we've done is uh we weren't really ready to you know, make a full repair to the dock. So we've just like actually took out that last part. So now we have half a dock, is what we're we're dealing with right now. But the one the one thing I found in life is that no one there's no pity in having only half a dock. So you have to find pity in other things. So well, we're, we're blessed. That. I did want to get a
1: start on a lighthearted note, Jeremy, because a lot of people reached out to us and said, you have to show them that video and get an update on the doc. But we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do. Before we get into our Q&A, guys, we're going to show you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral this morning, Johnny Crypto. It's sitting at a 50, but when we look at some of the daily movers, fairly split across the board. We've got Maker Token up about 12%. XDC is also up 6% on the day. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.2 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance, Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 29,800, Ethereum 1900 and XRP sitting at 78 cents this morning. And Jeremy, we're going to get right into our Q&A because we've seen a lot of people such as Mike Novogratz change their stance on Ripple ever since this ruling. So I just wanted to get a broad spectrum approach first. What did you think was the most important thing we could take away from this ruling? Do American institutions now have the green light to use XRP, or is this more complicated than many people are anticipating?
3: I don't think so. I think that the ruling was very clear. I mean, the judge said it, in black and white, XRP, in and of itself, is not a security. Every transaction has to be evaluated as to whether it fits the definition of an investment contract, and programmatic sales were not sales of securities. I mean, if that's not enough, then there's never going to be enough.
1: One of the biggest questions we've heard from other people, not XRP enthusiasts in the space, Jeremy, is that there may be an appeal process that's going to take place. And we've got some questions about Ripple. We've got some questions about XRP. But everyone's wondering, is the SEC going to appeal? I'd love to hear your response. Do you believe we're going to see an appeal from Gary Gensler at the SEC?
3: I'm in the minority that believes that the SEC will not appeal. And the reason is very simple. There's there's less to gain from an appeal than there is to lose. So if they were to lose an appeal, the SEC, what they would have done is they would have created binding case authority out of the second district court of appeals, which is a very influential court. And every court, every trial level court within the second district would have to follow that, uh, that law. And every trial court outside of that would have to look at that law and say, well, that's very influential because it's a higher level court. If they were to win, all they get is more money from Ripple. And if they were to lose, their whole litigation strategy is blown. And that's why I do not think we're going to see an appeal from the SEC.
1: Johnny Crypto, I want to give you a chance to ask a question, but I have one quick follow-up for Jeremy here. One of the things we've seen is that even if the SEC does appeal, we could see Ripple drag that process out for years. So I do want to hear from you. Does this ruling, does this set precedent until the appeal is approved? Maybe you can explain how that process would work.
3: Sure. So right now, the law of the land is what is in the order, okay? Just because there's a possibility of appeal or even if there's an appeal filed, does not change that order. So, as of right now and until a a, a higher level court says otherwise, XRP is not a security and the order is the order. So, that will never change until someone else says otherwise. Now, the way this would play out is really interesting. So, um, and a very long process. So, so listen to this. So, Let's say the SEC appeals and let's say that happens after the trial next year, which is most likely. So that now we're into 2024, right? The, the appeal goes up to the second DCA. Now, the judge did a very interesting thing. She ruled in Ripple's favor and against the SEC in a very narrow way, but she didn't address all of the Howey test. So even if the second DCA disagrees with the judge, and says that uh, programmatic sales are sales of security, they'd still have to send that back down to Judge Torres for her to finish her Howey test evaluation because she never ruled on the common enterprise prong of the Howey test. So the second DCA would rule, it go back down to Judge Torres. Judge Torres would have to then do the Howey test final evaluation and give her ruling. Then the SEC, if it was adverse to them, would have to then appeal her highway decision test back up to the second DCA. This takes us into 2025 at a minimum, uh, probably 2026, because now you have it going up, down, and then back up again. And then once that happens, the final appeal would be to the U.S. Supreme Court. I don't think the U.S. Supreme Court's going to hear the case because the U.S. Supreme Court usually likes to only rule on cases where there's two district courts that have uh, opinions that are are at variance. So, I think you'd have to wait for another DCA to rule differently, and then the U.S. Supreme Court might take it up and hear the appeal. So if the SEC really wants to go down that road, you're talking about two years at a minimum to even get the second DCA's final you know, opinion on it, and then another you know, two or three years for the U.S. Supreme Court to rule.
1: Johnny Crypto, we got 338 live listeners here on this Friday. Show us some love and smash that like button. I want to say thank you to Jeremy Hogan for making time for us this morning. Johnny, I'm going to give you the open floor and we'll continue our Q&A.
0: Yeah, so I got two questions for you, Jeremy. First one is, does this now, until we get appealed, do we now have a new rule? Do we now have the Ripple rule? That's question number one. Question number two, you said something important. Um, You said they can... So first of all, how long does the opponent have to appeal? I think I heard it's like 20 days. But is that 20 days from this ruling or this court case is still not over? You said we're still going to court. So when is the SEC's last opportunity to appeal? So those are the two questions.
3: Gotcha. So you, the SEC could appeal right now, and it's called an interlocutory appeal because the case isn't over. There's still going to be a trial on the indi- individual defendants uh, aiding and betting case. Um, There's been no final judgment. So what we have is an order on the summary judgment motions, but we have no final judgment. So they could appeal now, but I think the general consensus is that an interlocutory appeal now is very difficult for the SEC, and they probably will not succeed. The more likely scenario is after the trial next year that the judge will issue a final judgment. Once the final judgment is issued, they have 60 days to appeal. So I think that's what we're on the lookout for is whether they're going to appeal within the 60 days after a final judgment next year.
1: Johnny Crypto, I got a quick follow-up about institutional sales. A lot of people who were following the SEC's response to this ruling is that they were calling it an opinion. I wanted to get a brief response from you. Is that disrespect from the SEC? Is that just a matter of law? Why are they calling it an opinion and not a ruling? Is that something we should take note of?
3: I just think that's a political you know, stance. I think they're they're using words that minimizes the effect of the ruling. And, and, and Johnny, in follow-up to I think one of the statements you made, We don't have the Ripple rule yet, because remember, this is just a trial level judge's ruling. Now, here's the thing. As far as XRP, that ruling is absolutely binding. I mean, as far as the regulatory lawsuit against Ripple and XRP, what the judge says is the law. And it's binding, of course, because she's the decision maker. It's not binding on other courts. So if Ethereum or whoever, Solana were sued tomorrow by the SEC, they would, of course, point to this decision, but it's not binding on the judge that's making. You know, So really, the clarity here, the 100 percent clarity is only for XRP. It's a good decision for the other, you know, other projects. It's a good decision for Coinbase specifically, since they're actually in active litigation, uh, but it's not binding. So we don't have the Ripple rule yet, except as to Ripple.
0: So what made the Howey test binding? Was it because it went all the way? Did it go to the Supreme Court and Appellate Court? Is that what makes it binding, the level of how high it goes up?
3: Right. So the Howey the Howie test is from the U.S. Supreme Court. So oh. because it's the U.S. Supreme Court, every, every court in the country has to follow it.
0: I see. So because this was just a lower level, like you said, they'll point to it. I've been arguing that this would at least be good for exchanges because it says programmatic sales of coins are are not considered is that the portion that you know most other exchanges and even coins like ethereum would point to if someone tried to say they were a security
3: exactly the 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 part about xrp itself not being inherently a security uh was not a you know an, an integral part of the order it was kind of what we call dicta which means it wasn't something that she had to do i think she was just trying to help out xrp holders by saying that so the the part about programmatic sales not being sales of securities i think really in this order there were two winners there was ripple was the big winner and then coinbase was a second winner because coinbase of course is being sued and jurisdiction of sec over the coinbase you know relies on the fact that some of those sales were of securities and so I think Coinbase, you know, when they saw this order, were there were some cheers in their law office because I think this, they're the big winner other than Ripple.
1: So, Johnny, before we move on here, I just have a big question for myself. I read through all the boring documents. Well, I considered them boring. I don't know if you think they're interesting, Jeremy. But one of the things I did take away is that Ripple didn't get a win when it comes to institutional sales. And there's been a lot of questions about that on mainstream networks such as CNBC, Fox Business, et cetera. I'd love for you to dispel some of those claims now. What does the institutional sales ruling mean for Ripple in particular, and how is it going to affect business in the United States?
3: So this is, of course, a, a big question, and I can get the short answer is I don't know. Because the, the reason I don't know is I don't really understand Ripple's business model well enough to give you a good opinion on it, and I haven't really put the thought into it. But here's here's the one thing I do know: Ripple has about forty lawyers working on this problem right now, as we speak, and a lot of them are a lot smarter than I am. If there is a workaround, they're going to find it. And I think there is going to be a workaround because here's, here's why the securities laws are meant to protect you and me, you know, just guys on the street that uh, are not we'll, we'll say, savvy investors. Securities laws are not really meant to protect big companies because the idea is that a big company, you know, like Apple, or Ripple, or, you know any of these companies, they have 40 lawyers on staff that are there to protect them, and we don't. So the SEC is supposed to be protecting us. So because of that, because the judge said that institutional sales were sales of securities, that's not really what the law, that's not the people that were supposed to be protected. And so I think there's there's various workarounds. I mean, Ripple, in in theory, could even sell XRP as a security, register it and say, hey, listen, uh, SEC, we're going to be selling, you know, 10 million XRP to, you know, uh, XYZ company tomorrow. And they could even sell it that way. So there, there's about a thousand different ways to work around this problem. And I'm, I'm certain that uh, Ripple's attorneys are going to figure it out here in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's just not me. That's gonna figure
1: it out. I like that, Jeremy. And I want to get Jenna. Jenna, I'd love to give you an opportunity to ask a question. And then we're going to talk about ICOs in the United States and how they may be affected from the ruling as well.
2: Sure. Thanks, Abs. Um, Attorney Jeremy, so after the ruling and everything, I've been seeing a lot of different projects on Twitter saying, hey, this means XRPL tokens are probably not securities. Can you explain why that you know reasoning is probably false? Or maybe it's true, but that I, and my take is that this only applies to XRP and their case, and that would make absolutely no sense because it depends on how they did their pre-sale. That's, that's my opinion, so I want to know if I'm right or wrong on that. And if you believe, like Brad Garlinghouse had mentioned, that ninety-nine percent of cryptocurrencies will go away.
3: Oh, big questions. Okay, so um, so as far as uh, other projects, they have to be very careful in taking this as law applied to them, right? And so, if a project were to come to me and say, "Okay, Jeremy, now we can just go ahead and do whatever we want as long as it's you know a blind sale programmatic." I would say, wait, wait, not so fast. This is just one you know, district judge. Now, this is the Southern District of New York, so it's a very influential you know, district and a very influential judge. But I would say, no, you can't just do whatever you want as that as their programmatic sales because this is just one trial-level judge. It's not a DCA. It might not apply to us, and the SEC could still come after you if you were to do that. So that's the first thing. And then as far as whether 99% of the tokens remain, I don't know. You probably know better than I do, Jenna.
1: I think the answer is one that nobody wants to hear, Jeremy, and that might be a resounding no, especially after the ruling we got this week. A lot of the fake tokens that aren't promoting actual utility will probably leave this market over the next 24 months. And guys, we got 450 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. Jeremy, here's the biggest question everyone's wondering. How does this ruling affect Ethereum? We've talked about the ICO process in the United States for a long time, but I'd love to get your opinion. How does the Ripple ruling on XRP affect other tokens and specifically ICO process in America?
3: Well, if I was the Ethereum foundation, I'd be a little more nervous waking up Friday morning after the, the ruling because it's definitely, I think, uh, falls into, you know, the, the bad stuff in the order falls into basically what, what they did. I know there were a lot of institutional sales back at the time. Uh, But that being said, uh, if I'm their lawyer, I'm also not honestly, I'm not super worried about it. I mean, I think that ship has sailed. I don't I don't know why. Let me put it this way. I don't know why the SEC would pick that fight at this time. I mean, it it happened eight, nine years ago. I guess the statute of limitations hasn't run yet. Uh, But to go back and to, to pick a fight with the Ethereum Foundation at this point in time, to me, it just doesn't doesn't make any sense
1: will it affect icos in the future even though we know this is about xrp and you broke it down this ruling really only affects xrp but how is it going to affect coin offerings going forward are people just going to go overseas
3: well i think i think this kind of counterbalances that a little bit i think what everyone's really waiting for is legislation i don't like for example just from a legal standpoint if someone were to come to me today i i can't as a lawyer you just can't advise anyone based on this opinion. So I don't really think it affects things one way or another as far as other projects. It's promising. I think the main effect of this order, though, to be honest, has been it It kind of has galvanized, I think, the idea that we need more clarity in the U.S. And I think it's kind of galvanized. I, so, you know, Tara Gensler goes in and says, well, there's absolute clarity. It's, you know, an 80-year-old law. There's no need for legislation. Everything's absolutely clear. And then Judge Torres comes out in the ripple order and says, nothing is clear. It's it's a mess, in this, in essence. She does her best with the ruling, but I think what's clear from the order is that we do need legislation. I think it's kind of galvanized the push for, for Congress to get involved here in the U.S.
0: Johnny, you know, just following up on that, Abs, I saw a couple of congressmen talking about that, and they were actually saying that the way the judge ruled, where sometimes XRP is a security and sometimes it's not, is actually not clear in that it's it's reversed it actually protected the large institutions and it's not protecting the little guy so with congressmen talking like that something tells me they're going to be working on putting something together finally i would guess to be able to say hey here and we need that right that's really congress's job the the courts are not supposed to be making law it's congress that should be making it so hopefully abs we will finally get something the question is, what are we going to get, and how are we going to get it? We know there's some bills passing around, and there could be good regulation and bad regulation. So let's hope we get uh, a very, very good regulation. But speaking on that, a question that came up, Jeremy, that we hear all the time, and I was hoping maybe you can maybe shed some light on this. Everybody wants to know: Does Bitcoin have legal clarity, or is it just an opinion? You know. So shout out to Mental, like great question. Is one of our. Uh, our daily listeners, but uh, I'm curious now because we hear like they're getting a free pass, right? And are they getting a free pass, or did is there some ruling that the SEC or CTFC came out and said, "Yes, you are not a security, and so you're never going to be on the table"? Do you know? As
3: far as I'm, yeah, as far as I'm aware, no, no agency or no body of the U.S. government has ever come out and said Bitcoin is this or Bitcoin is that. But the, I mean, the truth is, is that if, you know, if you just think about it from a legal perspective, I mean, the first problem you'd have, okay, let's say you want to say that Bitcoin is a, is a illegally offered and sold security. The first yeah. problem you run into is who do you sue? Yeah, yeah.
0: entity. There's no entity, right? Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah,
3: you, you got to have SEC versus someone versus the and NSA. So,
0: yeah, the NSA. <laughs> I mean,
3: I guess they could sue me. I, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if am I running a node, I I don't understand who the defendant would be. So that's the very first problem. Okay. So you know, I, I think it's an interesting theoretical question, but from a practical standpoint, there's just no one to sue there. And I think that's really where you where you have. I mean, is, is it a commodity? Is it a security? It all becomes you know meaningless. If Bitcoin is just Bitcoin, because yeah. you can't really just put it into one of those you know you know easily identifiable brackets. It just is what it is. And, and I don't, I don't see anyone successfully suing anyone about it.
0: Johnny,
1: do you have any follow ups sir? Because I do have a quick
0: follow-up. No, that's the main one. There's no entity. <laughs> no okay, entity. yeah. So, yeah. How do you, how do you go? Well, off the
1: the biggest question I have is why do guys like Brad Garlinghouse? Uh, we're, we can play the clip. I played it on the show yesterday. Brad Garlinghouse said, "Now we're in a situation where Bitcoin and XRP are the only two tokens with clarity." Why do you believe he's using that? Uh, I guess terminology.
3: Well, I think, I think a lot of people, like uh, for example, um, in 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 the legislation, in uh, statements by Chair, even Chair Gensler, I think, has basically said Bitcoin is not a security. And uh, you know, But that was also, you know, the problem you run into, of course, is with these agencies, they never want to lock themselves into any right. position, right? So the SEC never really says anything. We saw that with the Hinman emails, you know, how all that went down. You know, they, they never really say anything officially. So do we have an official statement? No, but we have so many unofficial statements that we kind of take it as an official statement.
1: Is there any situation where we could see XRP begin to be utilized in this year, or are we going to have to wait until that official ruling in twenty twenty four before we see American banks start using XRP?
3: Well, you know, banks, banks, and big companies just by their nature are uh, how should I say, this, chickens. Would that be, I don't know if that's the right word, but they're they they're always worried about uh, regulations and, and, and breaking the law, and, and you know. But this order is so clear. And I think, you know, the whole case has basically passed by because the only thing that's left for the trial is really the individual defendants aiding and abetting cases, which really doesn't have anything to do with anything. And so my opinion would be if, if I represented a bank, but I'd be you're fine to move forward. This case is over. This is what it is. And it can't be redone. But actually, if, if you think about it, if you're a bank, what's your safest bet? I mean, maybe even safer than Bitcoin is to use XRP. Right. Because you already have the case, you already have the order. Everything's done. You know, in theory, there could be a, a lawsuit against any of the other tokens. I mean, even Bitcoin. You know, there could be a lawsuit there. No one knows. But what we do know is the SEC can't sue Ripple, Ripple again over XRP.
1: Very interesting. I'm going to read a brief excerpt here and then come right back to you, Jeremy. Blockchain startup company Ripple is confident that U.S. banks and other financial firms in the country will start showing interest in adopting XRP for cross-border payments after their landmark ruling determined that the token was not necessarily a security. The San Francisco-based firm expects to start with American financial firms with using their ODL system, and they're actually anticipating this could take place in quarter three of this year. So, Jeremy, just a brief follow-up here. Why do you think Stuart Alderati is making statements talking about Q3? That's only a couple months away.
3: I think because they agree with me. I think they think that the order is is – is strong it's clear it's definite and i think that the you know the banks are going to have to take some time i mean you know nothing nothing happens fast in the corporate world so they're going to kind of kind of regurgitate this you know order figure out what it means there's going to have to be memorandums of law written uh giving the banks their opinions on whether you know what to do or not do with xrp but i think at the end of the day once that's all done i think that they're going to get the green light uh, that that would be my guess
1: Guys, we're going to play a quick video here, Johnny. I'm not sure if you had a follow-up. So do you have a quick follow-up, I Johnny? I do, yeah. So
0: me, you kind of did mention this, but I'm a little confused. So this portion of the case, it's almost like the case is broken in two pieces, the security part and then the aid and the betting part. The security part's kind of been, I think, sounds like it's been ruled on. But the SEC still has more than 60 days to appeal this. They can appeal this thing, that piece of the ruling, all the way until the part of the aiding and the betting piece is done. Or do they only have 60 days from yeah. this forward?
3: So you have 60 days from when a final judgment is entered. And here's the reason why that is. So if if during the course of a litigation, you can file an appeal on this piece and that piece and this piece, the cases would never end because, you know, it would just the appeals would take so long that the case would just drag on forever because, you know, you would appeal every little thing that the judge does wrong. So the idea here is you have to wait until all of the case is finished before you file your appeal. Otherwise, it would just take too long. And that's why interlocutory appeals are so difficult, because when you file an appeal before the whole case is finished, you're basically telling the court, hey, stop the whole case. Everything needs to stop while we wait for the second DCA to make a decision. And if you're able to do that with every little thing that happens in the case, it would be impossible. So the idea is wait until the whole case is finished, and then you get to go back and appeal every little thing that you want to appeal. It's the only way it's possible to do it. And it's the only way that makes any sense otherwise it would just it would be crazy so that's why we have to wait for the final judgment and that's another reason why you know the sec made a mistake i think you know they overcharged this case they brought in you know it's it's not standard that you would sue the the owners of the company as well you know you usually okay. just
0: sue the company so and so, so you know,
3: the problem of their own making
0: so the reality is we're really not going to know if the sec is going to sue this thing for another three, six But however long this second portion of the case drags out, we're really not going to know until 60 days after that is final. So it could be another year, right? Before we even know if the S okay, wow. That's a long time of uncertainty. Yeah. That's going to be, no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm, I'm going to say that I'm going to say the S word because the judge, they are ordered to go to a settlement conference, but um, you yeah. know, the, the, the thing I, w- I would say about that and, that and that's how you know there's some finality to this case before you know the final judgment center would be you know a settlement because that would end the whole case at that point. And um, the only thing I could say about that is it's much more likely to happen now that we have an order uh, because now what we're talking about is money and it''s, it's it, this is a negotiation of money now and it's not a negotiation of too much else because the judge has already ordered on all the non-money things.
1: Jeremy, I'm going to play a brief video that's circulating on Twitter, and I know it's always a little bit difficult watching yourself on video, or at least I have that opinion. We got 553 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. I'm going to continue to say thank you to Jeremy, but they're calling this video the most bullish 29-second video in XRP history. Luckily, we got the man here to address it. Here we go.
3: And she ruled on this XRP is not a security in a very interesting way. She quoted other cases which say kind of the same thing. And so it's called what's called dicta because it's not an essential part of her order, but it is in there. I don't think you can appeal that. I don't think that's appealable. I really don't. I don't think that any appellate court can can touch that part of the order which says XRP in and of itself is not a security, which is really what the, what's important for the XRP holders. And she ruled on the.
1: I just wanted to double down on that point, Jeremy. In the beginning of this case, before we got the ruling, first of all, brief question. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate the win for Ripple? On a scale of one to 10, 10 being an absolute best case scenario and one being, you know, worst case scenario, where do you rank the win for Ripple?
3: Well, when I first read it, you know, I thought it was like a six, 6.5. You know, I was, I think as I read it, it was almost like, uh, you know, beer goggles uh, when you're young and single. You know, I had a couple, because the more I read it, the more I liked it. So I've, now I'm thinking it's a seven point five or eight out of ten. There, there's a lot of good things in there, but you know, be, you know, to just to touch on that clip really fast, that that's still my opinion. I I don't see the the part where she says XRP is not a security. I don't see how you can even appeal that. And uh, you know, and when I come up with these opinions, I usually don't like to talk to other lawyers too much because they kind of influence you know my thinking. Uh, but now I I got to admit I kind of cheated and I I checked out checked it out with a couple of other attorneys on Twitter and, and a couple guys I know. And, and and they kind of tend to agree with me. I don't think an appellate court can overturn kind of a dicta in a case. So I think that's one thing. But another thing, just really briefly, as long as one XRP is not a security. So, you know, she found that one third of the sales were securities and two thirds were not. Okay. Fair enough. But let me ask you this. So let's say there's another lawsuit and uh, you're, you're um, Let's say there's, there's another lawsuit, and um, you're saying, okay, well, you were selling securities. Let's say, you know, Abs, you were selling securities to Jeremy, and, and we're suing you about it. Now, the judge has already decided that two-thirds of XRP are not securities. So how does that person suing us, because that, their argument would be XRP is itself a security, so Abs, you're selling it to me, that's illegal. How does he know, the person that's suing us, how does he know whether that XRP that you sold me was from the securities batch of XRP or the non-securities batch of XRP. There's no way of knowing. There's no way of proving that because they are fungible, right? And yeah. so outside of the judge's order, as long as one XRP is not a security, in effect, all XRP are not a security because you could never prove which one is which. Yeah. Right? So out, even out taking, her, taking away her order, as long as she doesn't backtrack on the programmatic sales and the other sales, we have a situation where there's, there's no lawsuit possible, even by the SEC, because you can't prove which is which.
0: You know, that, that's a really good point. Um, <laughs> trying to mix batch, if you had a bunch of marbles and you dropped them, they all mixed up, you wouldn't know which is which, right? Makes total sense there. Right. Makes total sense there, Jeremy. Um, but uh, well, good point. <laughs> I thought you had a question there, John. I do have a question and I lost it as I was saying We got like, a couple of things. Well, I'll
1: come back to it. Thank you. I want to give a shout out to one of our friends who's in the live chat, Waters oh. Above. For anybody who's not familiar with his content, he does amazing TA and we have him on the channel very often. So I want to give a shout out to our friend, yes. but Jeremy, I just want to oh, go ahead.
0: I remember my question. Sorry. So uh, one thing that Jeremy mentioned, and I think we should give a shout out to John Deaton. So for him is I think Jeremy said that the ruling that the judge made on the piece about uh, or you call the amicus or something like that. The part about or dictus where she made the ruling of of saying whether or not the programmatic sales are a security or not. Wasn't something she had to do, but you thought she did it. Because of all the amicus briefings that I believe John Deaton brought up. So let's give a shout out to John. So, Jeremy, you're thinking that John didn't do that. Maybe we don't get a ruling on programmatic um, sales. And, and we're still sitting here wondering what the heck, whether XRP is a security or not. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, the other way around. I think she would have ruled on the programmatic sales one way or another, probably. But she went out of her way to, to say XRP in and of itself is not a security. And I think that is 100% due to the amicus briefs, John Deaton, and the 75,000 XRP holders. I think without that, she doesn't rule on it because it doesn't make any sense to go out of her way to, to say anything about that.
0: Yeah, so that was huge. So thank you, John Deaton, and for everybody putting those amicus briefings together. Those were huge. Jeremy, what are we waiting for here when it comes to American adoption? I just want to make it simple.
1: For, for anybody who's just getting into the market and they decided to watch our show, we got the Ripple ruling and everyone's expecting 589, right? Obviously that didn't happen, but what are we waiting for from a regulatory standpoint to move the markets forward? I know Congress is supposed to act. That's what everyone's anticipating. Maybe you can break down that process. What are some key things that we should be watching for as crypto investors?
3: Well, there's legislation that was just, um, I put in front of the house. I think, um, I think what you need to do is if you're really interested, you need to start following, um, the Congress and the House rules and ways committees because uh, that's really where adoption is gonna come from. I don't think that the courts I mean look look how long this has taken us to get to where we are. We start with the telegram case was like what 2018, you know, you had the kick interactive case 2019, Ripple gets sued in 2020, uh, Judge Torres issues for ruling in 2023, citing to the Telegram and Ripple, uh, to the Telegram and, and Kick Interactive cases the the legislative the judicial process in the U.S. is so slow that for us to get clarity through judicial rulings is going to take forever. And so, what I think we really need to have legislation that's going to uh, be passed. And I think all you could do is just kind of follow that process because it's also a slow process, but it's lightning speed compared to the judicial process.
1: And Jeremy, we're showing a a visual on screen right now. It's a new bill confirming that cryptocurrencies are not securities, but I think this is a question everyone's yet to ask because it seems so obvious. Why do we not want crypto to be an investment contract? Maybe you can break that down.
3: That's a good question. Um, You know, there's no inherent reason why it can't be, you know, the, the problem with something being a security and being sold as a security is, you know, I had a, I had a project, Call me a couple months ago, and they're like, "Okay, look, we want to register. We want to do this. We want to register with the SEC. We want to do this." I'm like, "Great, not a problem. You can do that as a digital asset company. You can have your token. You can register it with the SEC." Do you have two hundred fifty thousand dollars? And then they were there was a pause, you know, on the other end of the phone, and so you know, it's just become so expensive, you know, to to do these things to register as a company. I mean, you got to have so much money. That for a lot of these bootstrap projects, there's just there's just no funds available to make that happen, yeah. and so I think that's the big problem.
0: And what's the driver of that? Is it primarily because you have to have all these disclosures? Is it all legal fees primarily driving that? Because I've heard the same thing. It costs like a hundred to two hundred grand to to do that. Now, obviously, for Ripple, they could afford it, but um, it, are just legal fees? Jeremy, are those are those uh, an application you pay to the SEC? What's driving all these costs? All
3: well, the, the damn attorneys.
0: Sorry, oh, yeah. <laughs> I You're knew I know. went in the wrong field. I knew I went in the wrong field.
3: I mean, some yeah. of these guys, some of these guys are a thousand dollars an hour. I mean, it's insane what what they charge, but it is what it is. You know, no, they uh, no, they're really
1: run. Good morning, crypto. Just so you know,
3: I'm will completely... be sending my. I'll be sending my bill. Uh, just wait till you get it. <laughs>
0: <We> <laughs> wait got... till we get the bill. Holy cow! We got Jeremy for an hour. Well, oh my god! I actually want to break one.
3: Oh, go ahead. 36 minutes right now. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the math.
0: You know what? jeremy going to have money to get that dock built pretty soon. If we wow. Well, at, least, at least we could provide
1: something to Jeremy because he's providing a lot for our listeners right now. And we got 617 live listeners uh, joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Jeremy, I'm going to break down a conspiracy, so bear with me here and tell me if there's any validity to this argument. Could we see a situation where Ripple and the SEC settle post-ruling, where Ripple is actually given a waiver – where those institutional sales were greenlighted, it's okay for Ripple to have those institutional sales, but then the SEC is allowed to prosecute other companies that did the same thing. Is that even possible? I'd love to hear your
3: take. Good, uh, Interesting question. So the answer is in a settlement agreement, you can put anything you want, really, uh, as as between the two parties. So, you know, your wildest imagination, if SEC and Ripple can agree to it, you could have it in a settlement agreement. But what you cannot have is you cannot have a private settlement agreement influence judicial orders and laws. And so even though you could have anything you want between the SEC and Ripple, you can't have a settlement agreement that says and pursuant to the settlement agreement, no one has to follow the judge's order. That is something that you can't have. So I I think that answers your question is, yes, you could have the first thing, but no, you couldn't have the second thing.
1: Got it. And that's really important because we're wondering, is there going to be an impact for projects such as XLM or maybe Quant Network? A lot of utility tokens besides XRP have been communicating with people in Washington and Stellar is the biggest one that continues to come up. Is this ruling going to affect similar tokens? I know earlier in the episode, you said this is an XRP ruling only applies to XRP, but how will it affect tokens that are very similar like XLM, for example?
3: Well, you know, you would think XLM, because it's basically a, a branch off from XRP, this would affect it. But keep in mind, it's all in how it was marketed and sold. And so XLM is a very different you know, beast than XRP. I know it's kind of used for something similar, but the circumstances surrounding how, how it was used, sold, was it sold to institutional investors, was it sold programmatically, is how it will be analyzed. And so every token is going to have to do a case-by-case analysis because you can't just kind of say, well, you're you know you're similar to XRP and therefore you're okay. Um, so I think I think you're gonna have to look at every every token is on a case by case basis and there's no really easy answer unfortunately.
1: Last question I have about programmatic sales. This is something that's been a little bit confusing for our listeners to wrap their heads around. So just a broad spectrum. Can you break down what the ruling meant for programmatic sales for Ripple and how that may affect the business going forward?
3: Sure. So you know programmatic sales is kind of a, a fancy word. But really what the order was saying is that if Jenna buys XRP on Uphold and she has no idea who she's buying it from, how can she expect someone to increase the value of XRP when she doesn't even know who she's buying it from? Right. That's the the reasoning behind the ruling. And so in any situation, according to this order, where there's a blind sale, meaning Jenna doesn't know who she's buying from, then you're okay. Because there can, you cannot have met the howie prong, which requires that you be looking to a third party to increase the value of XRP. Now, as soon as Jenna knows for a fact that she's buying XRP from Ripple, now Ripple is selling it as an investment contract. And that's a completely different ballgame. And so that's that's the, the basis of the ruling.
0: Hey, Jeremy, I have a question for you there, a follow-up on Because that's, that part was confusing to me. Because when I buy a stock on the exchange, I go to E-Trade or Ameritrade or when I go buy. You know Microsoft, or or I go buy uh, whatever stock I'm buying. I'm not buying it from Microsoft. I'm buying it from somebody else who wants to sell it, right? So how, So so to me, why then are stocks considered securities if I'm doing the same exact thing? I'm just buying it off of somebody else. I'm not buying it from the company.
3: That is going. If if there's an appeal that is the first thing the SEC is going to say. You hit, I mean, that's it. That is the argument right there oh, that shit. the SEC is going to erase. That, that yeah. ain't so we should know. delete this part. <laughs>
0: hey, can we delete this part of the video, app? <laughs> Make sure we do, shit. All right, so that, my word word, 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 that was confusing to me. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah,
3: that's the argument. And you should send your bill to the SEC for the advice. But um, it, the, uh, the, the, the difference is this. The difference is that a share of stock you know, a piece of paper that says you own one share of Apple stock inherently has obligations attached to it. And when Apple issues its share of stock, it knows that. So, it, it, Apple issues a share of stock. You have the right when you take that piece of paper, that share of stock. You have the right to, you know, to go to their board meetings and to, you know, you have one vote, you know, as a shareholder. That share, that stock certificate carries with it obligations on the behalf of Apple, on the part of Apple, whereas uh, when Ripple issued XRP, it issued it without any obligations at all. So that's the difference. Uh, you know, Holding XRP doesn't give you any ownership interest in Ripple, okay. whereas holding yeah, that, one that, share that, of Apple stock absolutely gives you an interest in Apple.
0: So that would be literally uh, Ripple's ar- or attorney's arguments, right? It'd be, hey, the difference. You're right, because if you own XRP, you don't own Ripple the company. Whereas if you bought a Microsoft right. stock a share, you do own in the company. So there is the difference. All right, good. I feel better. That's and Absolutely. that's also
3: why. And that's also the reason why, um, you know, the SEC's position is that XRP was a security. It was sold as a security. It's going to stay a security forever. And that's true when you have a share of stock because it, it's a, a, an ownership interest in the company itself. So when it transfers hands, those obligations go with it. Uh, whereas what the judge said in this order is that when XRP transfers hands, those obligations don't go with it unless it's sold as an investment contract.
1: Jenna, I'd love to get some thoughts from you. Floor is yours.
2: Yeah, it's just like the Bitcoin maxis right now, like a lot of them are saying, no, it's still security. It's still security. Think about it. The use case of XRP is to be used. Like it doesn't matter what the price is. The banks are going to buy whatever they need to to be able to facilitate that cross-border payment so in literally the minute less than that that it gets there nobody's buying that expecting the price to appreciate like to use that as an investment it makes no sense it's driving me nuts that they like won't let that go
3: i don't know what to tell you about that one i mean bitcoin maxis are a special breed um yeah. You know, we have xrp maxis too right there's like you know 5% of any community are, are crazy. So, And Jeremy, you know, believe definitely. it
1: or not, there's a couple of them on stream right now, but we got 633 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. Jeremy, I'm really excited to play this video for you because we played it with Crypto Erie on Wednesday and she had a take that I wasn't expecting, but I'm going to play about 45 seconds of a Bitcoin maximalist describing the XRP ruling. SEC, a lot
4: of lawyers' opinions and everybody's saying the SEC will appeal and that maybe the Judge Torres' decision is actually based on false knowledge or that it's a crappy decision or whatever. But what they're not talking about is that even if the SEC appeals, we're talking about a year, year and a half down the road. Oh, I think they
3: can't even appeal until next year. And then it would be a couple of years. And, you know, of course, Ripple XRP would drag that out forever. You know, they would, they would, you know, because you can go into court and you, you know, you could say, oh, the, the lawyer has a previous engagement. Give me three months, three months, three months, three months. They'll drag that out. You know, it might be three years. Um, and it'll be a different administration,
4: uh, you know, different chair, different rules by then Congress might've acted, you know, so this is, is kind of a done deal. And
1: I just wanted to pause it there and get some of your thoughts, Jeremy. I tried to ask that question earlier in the show, even if the sec appeals, could we see a situation where ripple drags it on for years? And by the time there's a ruling, there's a new Gary Gensler or a new Jay Clayton actually sitting at the sec.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth of the matter. So what this order has done is I mean, as long as Ripple can pay, you know, whatever the fine might be, the, the balance of power has shifted here. So, you know, as Ripple was fighting this case, you would see the SEC drag its feet and that was expected. And they, they dragged it out for two and a half years. All right. And now the 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 power has shifted to Ripple. So now it would be Ripple's turn to drag this out. And they definitely have the financial means to do so. So, you know, they could they could make this thing take two or three years um, if, if the SEC really wants to go that out Go down that road. I mean, the only thing I would I would guarantee at that point is I don't think Chair Gensler will be the chair anymore when this you know, finally gets decided, you know. So uh, he's right. I, I agree with him.
0: So, but the thing you're saying is the SEC can appeal anywhere from now till the end of the case. They don't have to wait two years from now or a year from whenever this thing's done, right? They literally could appeal this yeah, piece yeah. if they wanted to.
3: Well, but they could have appealed already. I mean, there's there's an interlocutory appeal. Um, which they could do at any time right now and they haven't done it yet but the more likely scenario is they wait until next year with the final judgments entered and then once the final judgment is entered they have a 60 day window so that's what you want to be looking out for
0: there we
1: go so I do want to ask our live chat there's 666 people here that's a random number to to be here right now but I want to ask the live chat if you want to ask jeremy a question, Put it in the live chat. We'll select two or three by the end of the show. We will ask him live on air. But right now, I want to get a live reaction to Jeremy Hogan's reaction to Gary Gensler's response to the Ripple ruling. Here's a one-minute clip.
4: Does the federal court ruling last week in the Ripple case impact your stance toward digital asset regulation? Does it inject urgency into the need for federal legislation to clarify regulatory in- oversight of this industry?
0: Um Look, our, our mission is, remains exactly what I spoke about earlier about
4: investor protection, promoting capital formation, and the. I just want to pause right here. I'm so
1: sorry, Jeremy. He said his mission is to protect capital markets and to protect the retail investor. I think neither of those were done during this Ripple lawsuit, but let me just play the remaining 20 seconds and we'll go back to you.
0: Markets in the middle. Um, this is a recent decision, just a handful of days ago. Uh, we were uh, pleased, uh, from that decision, recognizing, uh, the importance of protecting investors on the institutional investors, uh, in that, uh, and that the court, uh, um, uh, movement with regard to, um, fair notice, uh, and while disappointed on what they said about retail investors, uh, we're still, uh, looking at it and, and assessing that opinion.
1: Jeremy, quick question for you. Why would they be upset about the ruling for retail investors? And then give me a general overview about his response.
3: Well, because they lost. It's it's tough, though, is I I understand they're upset. I mean, he's just trying to put as good a spin on it as as possible, which I understand. And the other thing you have to keep in mind, and and, and I don't defend uh, Chair Gensler often, but he inherited this lawsuit. Um, And since he's taken over, I think the SEC's litigation strategy has gotten a lot better. But this was a horrible lawsuit to bring. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, why, you know, they would be much, if they were going to continue going after projects, they would be much better off uh, attacking smaller projects, building their case authority up. Uh, and in this case, has kind of derailed that a little bit. So I think this was a big mistake.
1: Johnny Crypto, I do want to switch gears just slightly here and ask a question from Node Army. Do you think that the Coinbase Coinbase being sued indirectly related to the judge's finding in favor of Ripple? How will that ruling affect the Coinbase situation happening before our eyes? Uh,
3: I don't think so. I don't think the judge was influenced by uh, the Coinbase lawsuit. Actually, I think that she had determined her um, uh, the or- how the order was going to come down long before the lo- the Coinbase lawsuit was finished. Um, I think this. I think this. This had been decided back in March or April, probably, when we saw the ruling on the uh, experts, because she struck uh, the SEC's uh, expert witness. I think that at that point she knew how she was going to rule already. Um, I think it's good for the Coinbase lawsuit. I think Coinbase is super happy about this order, and I think in their next pleading you're going to see Ripple over SEC versus Ripple all over their pleading. SEC, SEC versus Ripple. You're probably going to see it ten times in whatever comes out from Coinbase next.
0: Johnny Crypto, I'd love to give you the floor. I'm going to ask you, give you the floor to ask the question, and then we'll move on. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things people want to know now, Jeremy, is what's going to happen with you? How, where are we going to see you? Where, where, are we going to see you, more you or less of you? Uh, now that the case, you know, and, you, and by the way, I just want to say, you know, to everybody. It was a blessing. Like when, you know, I'm not an attorney, right? But I got into this space. And I invested in Ripple. Then I'm finding out one of my biggest investments being sued. I don't know what that means, right? You know, trying to read legal garbage, gar- garble, or it's, it's like, it's like trying to read Spanish, you know, or Latin. I, you can't read it. So Jeremy, you were a blessing. All the, all those years, those videos coming out and telling us what it meant and doing it in a, you know, in a comical fun way, but also getting the point across to help us understand. I have to tell you, was absolutely priceless. So, uh, people want to know what's going to happen with Jeremy Hogan now that the case is over.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that so much. Um, I'm going to probably be around. You might see me. You might see less of me. Uh, you know, I I wasn't expecting this, so I haven't really thought, you know, what my future <laughs> in the crypto world is going to be. Uh, I have a couple projects I'm involved with. I'm going out to London for the BPM Wallet um, Grand Opening. I'll call it. So I'm excited about that. I, I, I'm working with them. And, uh, you know, I love projects with utility, and that's where my focus is. But I'm probably going to be doing a little more behind-the-scenes uh, legal work rather than uh, being in front of the, the camera. Um, I've only had one doc I can destroy, so uh, I've already destroyed it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. What I don't know. I wasn't it. expecting this to be a – yeah, I need I, I was – I, I'm on vacation right now, officially, so I haven't really thought through, you know, what I'm going to be doing in the in the digital asset space. But I definitely want to be involved, so I'll I'll be around. I'm going to be keeping an eye on things.
0: Well, that's
2: good. He's going to be a, he's going to be on the cover of Doc Weekly <laughs> in a out <Speedo laughs> with his wrecked doc.
0: <laughs> Jeremy, if I could ask you well, one more, you know what
3: you can't see from that.
0: Go ahead, yes. Jeremy. What are you saying?
3: I was gonna say what you because my wife was recording the video and, and she she couldn't focus on me because she was trying not to fall off the dock when I hit it. But what you don't see is the boat literally uh, the dock was about you know three or four feet off the water and the boat goes up onto the dock and it goes like sideways almost. I thought I was going in. I was like, okay, I'm going in. And the funny thing is, the only thing that went through my mind is, oh crap, my laptop's in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, at least you got it. Well, now the XRP price has doubled. Hopefully you can afford to repair the yacht, Jeremy, or I'm not going to call it a yacht. I meant dock. Sorry. But we got uh, 635 listeners here. Let's talk a little bit about Ripple's IPO process, because what we saw this morning is that Ripple is seeking an approval of licenses in the UK and Ireland after their big win against uh, the SEC. The question I have for you is, Does Ripple now have the green light to IPO in the United States? Of course, that process still goes through the SEC. And that relationship may still be, I guess, a mess, for lack of a better word. Do you think we could see Ripple IPO outside of the
3: U.S.? That's a good question. I I do not know the answer. I think that their plan and I think what they're going to do, if I had to guess, would be that they're going to IPO here in the U.S. And I think that the good people at the SEC are going to uh, put this case aside and maybe the bad blood and and do their job. like they're supposed to.
1: A last thing when it comes to a Ripple IPO, that was one of the biggest conversations they were having before we were sued by the SEC. Let's shift the gears to exchanges. Does this ruling affect exchanges going forward? We know that the SEC was going to try and regulate crypto, not by going after individual projects, but by going after the exchanges that were offering those projects. What can we anticipate there? Or does this change, I guess the SEC's case against exchanges?
3: Absolutely. I mean, they're, So the Binance case is a little bit different because uh, you do have the, well, let me back up. So even in the Binance case where you have allegations of fraud, you know, the SEC is only allowed or able to sue these exchanges because of the attachment they have to, quote unquote, securities. So if if Binance, for example, could have been committed the most horrendous fraud in the world, but if it has nothing to do with securities, the SEC can't sue them for it, right? That's their jurisdiction is only over securities. So... Uh, absolutely, this this case it does have a big effect on those exchange cases specifically because of course Coinbase is going to argue and they are already arguing, and Binance is going to argue that they are not selling securities and therefore SEC, you can't sue us, go away.
1: Jeremy, I was saving the best topic for the end of the show, but we got 630 listeners here. And I just want to say, smash that like button and check out the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore. Thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and totals since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Jeremy, it is the smartest way to track your crypto, and the best part, 30 days absolutely free. We help our listeners create exit strategies and sell at those targets that they predetermine. That way, 90% of the money that comes into crypto exits on the back end, and we want our listeners to profit off of that growth. So check out our application and give us some feedback. What the end of this show is going to be about is now that the monkey is off of Ripple's back, what can we anticipate next? We're going to start with a video from Chris Larson. Here we go.
3: Rather than being an internet system. So we need
4: that internet of value to to be developed. And that's what we spend our time working on is a replacement for SWIFT and correspondent banking. How do you get all of the payment providers, all of the wallets, Uh, onto ILP and then how to use XRP
3: as on-demand liquidity so that all of these providers don't have to keep balances all over the world because the process is so inefficient.
1: We've talked for a long time about XRP removing the need for Nostro-Vostro accounts. And what that is, is if I have a million dollars in New York and I'm transferring it to London, there needs to be a million in both locations. When you use an asset like XRP, it removes the need for one of those banks to actually hold the liquidity there. So the question I have for you, Jeremy, as an investor, not as an attorney, what are you anticipating for the, from the Ripple ruling? What are some of the big catalysts that you can see in front of us and, and what's on your mind from that perspective?
3: You know, I sh- you should do an inverse Jeremy uh, ETF because, you know, I'm the worst investor ever. I really am horrible. But I have that pretty good with my XRP because, you know, I bought it right after the lawsuit because I realized, you know, this was not an easy case for the SEC. Um, you know, I'm not really too interested in, in short-term uh, investing. I'm not a, I'm not a trader by any definition. So, you know, I have my XRP. I'm going to hold it because I see the value and the utility that's there. And, uh, you know, if it does great, great. If it doesn't do great, I'm okay with that too as far as the short-term because I'm I'm holding for years. And... I do see the value proposition there. I see how inefficient uh, what the current the status quo is. And it is it is a, a use case that I think, you know, if there's adoption, um, you know, I'll be happy. And uh, I'm not too worried about the next couple of months. I'm just thinking about the next couple of years. But don't listen to anything I say, though, money-wise, because uh, l- literally, you know, my stack picks, you basically want to just choose the opposite thing. You should short, short everything I own.
0: A you're like jim, jim kramer, kramer. <laughs> we just do the
3: opposite do the opposite you'll do
0: fine you'll be fine johnny Crypto, i'm gonna give you a chance to follow up and we'll continue no, I did you know, I just want to say I agree with Jeremy that I think really a lot of us and Jeremy's a hodler as as we would call it in this space, and so am I, where I believe in the technology apps, I believe in what we own and where it's going in the future. And so for me, you know, day trading also doesn't make sense or trading this particular asset makes no sense. Because I think in the long run, there's so much upside potential and the chances of this playing a part in You know, are people having a chance to own a part of what could be the rails of a future system, whether it's cross-border payment or tokenization or custom. And we know that Ripple's spreading its wings everywhere. And let's face it, man. They've got a, well, I was going to say a billion dollars in the bank, but i am going to guess. Actually, that's something we didn't ask Jeremy. So, Jeremy, they lost the ruling and they got to pay like $700 million, I think, or something, right? Is that a one-to-one translation or is that where the settlement part comes in where they can work to to knock that number down?
3: Sure, that's not a final number. That's actually what the SEC alleged, and I guarantee you that Ripple is going to challenge that. So and we we could even have a hearing on that, you know, in, in the near future before the trial as to the amount. So uh, absolutely, Ripple is going to negotiate that number. And if there is a settlement, I expect you would see something much less than that.
1: Very interesting. Johnny Crypto, I saw you doing a 360 there for our listeners. I'm sure they appreciate it. Jeremy, one of the things that we've been oft, often discussing on our channel, let's ask you this. Are you an advocate, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer, of central bank digital currencies? I have a follow-up, but I'd like to hear. Are you an advocate for CBDCs?
3: Well, you know, I have I have two uh, girls, and I always think about their future. And I just think that the potential of uh, uh, infringement on our our civil rights with the CBC is is so exponentially horrible that um, I am not in favor of it
1: let me ask you a quick follow-up with xrp being basically the center of conversation when it comes to central bank digital currencies what drew you to this project in particular was it the lawsuit was it the SEC what caught your attention to make you an xrp investor
3: I was just um you know I, I had bitcoin uh, before then, and then the lawsuit dropped and I saw the price, you know, this is the only good investment thing I've ever done. And it had to do with something legal. I saw the price tank to like 23 cents or something from wherever it was. I, I can't remember. And I looked at the lawsuit over over the Christmas break and I was like, this is not an easy case for the SEC to win. And, uh, it was, it was then that I, I bought my first, uh, I guess you call it bag of, of XRP. And then I kind of, you know, added to it, um, know once or twice over the next year or so and, and that's it and then i've just been holding it off exchange in a in a box somewhere in my house
1: hopefully nobody tracks you down jeremy one of our listeners is asking a pretty fun question here and i'd like to get your response ask jeremy what his thoughts on on our mid 2025 xrp price nobody here is a financial advisor nobody here gives financial advice what we like to have is conspiracy conversations. And if that's not a conspiracy, I don't know what is. What do you think? Where could we be in 2025 based off your opinion? Nothing else.
3: I have no idea. I really don't. Hey, should I say 589? I don't know.
2: Really do <laughs> There you go. <laughs>
3: You're not. Trying to, know. to help me out here. Yeah.
2: I was going to you- say the same.
0: <laughs> there you go, guys. You have it. On a Friday, Jeremy Hogan and Jenna predicting 589 somewhere in the future. I do have a couple of Bart Simpson, by the way, just for or not Bart, sorry, it was his son, right? <laughs>
1: Jeremy, one, one other question I have for you. Now that the XRP lawsuit is behind us, the monkey's off our back, what are you anticipating from the SEC? Do you think they're going to continue to attack individual projects or are they going to take a more broad approach, maybe attack exchanges or even take a step back and, and watch how this market evolves?
3: I think that the SEC is uh, is is locked in on its uh, litigation strategy. I think they're going to be attacking exchanges on and off road uh, on and off ramps to those exchanges. Um, I think it's much smarter strategy than you know playing whack a mole with individual projects. So, you know, if I'm if I'm an individual project that's a little bit nervous about how I did my ICO, I'm going to breathe a little bit easier. If I'm a Coinbase or a Kraken or whatever it might be, I'm going to be a little more nervous.
0: Yeah, Jeremy, didn't they kind of lose their ability to go after these exchanges if this whole programmatic ruling holds up here where programmatic sales are not securities? Does that kind of take some of the the air out of their sales, uh, to say, for the SEC to go after them on that particular Absolutely.
3: grounds? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we don't have a lot of case authority in the crypto space, but, you know, Judge Torres' ruling is one of one of the case authorities that we have. and, and you know, that's going to be a big problem for the sec moving forward um you know and that's another reason why you know it's 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 a it's a problem for them now but if they were to appeal and the dca would would, would agree with judge torres then they have a humongous problem i mean they might as well dismiss the lawsuits at that point so um <laughs> right. yeah you know, that's another reason I, I don't think we're going to see an appeal here jeremy we only
1: got a couple minutes left so i don't want to keep you too long but i gotta play this video because we addressed it earlier Ethereum promoted themselves as basically an ICO machine before we had regulation here. And before anyone knew about the him and emails, well, Congress is finally catching up, and I'd love to get your response. Here's a one-minute clip out of Congress discussing Ethereum and the Ripple ruling. The token really, in a sense, is the glue
4: that binds the various players in the ecosystem and provides the appropriate economic incentives for all market participants. Uh, understandably so, this creates a whole new set of challenges for regulators, uh, consistent with recent statements that we've heard from the Director of Corporate Finance at the SEC. We believe that the regulatory nature
1: of crypto networks varies with the stage of development of a particular project. Briefly, when a centralized sponsor is seeking to raise capital from investors prior to the functional development of the network, uh,
4: this is probably in what is known as an investment contract and therefore properly regulated as a security. Uh, however, the nature of the tokens that are delivered on that contract can ultimately be
1: regulated as commodities once the fulfillment of that investment contract has occurred. As stated by the CFTC, some tokens are not securities once the network is functional. And in particular, in cases
4: where the network is decentralized from an ownership perspective, we believe the nature of the tokens looks more like commodities and securities.
1: The follow-up question I have for you here, Jeremy, is obviously with Congress waking up to the fact that most of these tokens are decentralized enough to be commodities. What do you think? 99% of tokens are going are going to go away. Jenna asked us earlier. Do you agree with that narrative? Most of these tokens are number one commodities and number two are probably going to be regulated out of existence.
3: You know, I, if, if, a, if there's a, a use case for a token, if there's some value, you know, in the token and how it's used, I don't think it goes away. I think that the, the technology is amazing. Uh, you know, I've been seeing what, um, uh, you know, like a project I'm working with. They're, uh, basically they're putting, um, you know, uh, contracts with signatures onto the blockchain. It's a great project. It's called Certicos. It's the definition of a utility token because it's the token that um, you use for, it's like a DocuSign replacement, right? That kind of project, the BPM wallet project, um, those types of projects where you're bringing value and utility, I think are going to be around now. You know, do all the meme coins survive into 2025? Yeah, that's, that's another question. I think we're at the 1999, and you go to the internet, it's 1999, you have Petsmart out there spending a billion dollars on Super Bowl commercials, and it didn't go well for Petsmart, and eventually it left. I think the key, if you're in the, in the space right now, is to figure out where's the Amazon in, in crypto, and then uh, you know, identify it, get involved in, in whatever way you want, but I think that's kind of where we're at in, in history.
1: Jeremy, do you think we're going to see a 180 from the SEC where right now of course they're attacking the industry trying to regulate it at some point do you think they're going to come I guess endorsers of these currencies and start promoting these financial projects as a real solution to what we're experiencing in our financial system
3: you would hope so, but I haven't seen anything out of them yet that that gives me any hope that they there's they're going to be a reasonable actor in in this drama i just I just don't see it coming out of them I think I think we need legislators to step in and, and solve this problem,
1: Johnny. I see you unmuted yourself. Do you have a quick follow up question, or should I play this video?
0: Uh, the thing I was going to ask Jeremy, I thought it was interesting, was when you think of uh, security—is it you know? And I think the way that the the video you played, Abs, talked about how something can start out potentially as a security, but then not be a security a couple of years later. And I think the SEC allows for that in its in its rules, correct, Jeremy? Where you can start initially as that, but now the way you're currently operating, if you're decentralized enough. I didn't know though it was also based on the functioning utility utility of the token. I just figured if you're not using the token to raise funds, it's not a security, right?
3: Well, that's correct. So, but you know, the interesting thing is this whole decentralization argument and, and test really came out of the, you know, the Hinman speech and the Hinman emails. It's nowhere in the law. That, that's not the law they just they just kind of made it up and it might make sense but that's definitely not the law so that's you know just kind of another reason why we need to, we need legislation to step in because if you have a legislation that states that that's great and I think it's good for the space uh but right now that's just something that you know Director Hinden of the SEC said and it's not binding on anyone so you know that's just kind of how the space is you know people are saying stuff and then people you know latch on to it and think that's what the law is but You know, there's nowhere in the law that even says that. So, you know, we really need, you know, I think, you know, going back to the Congress, we just need Congress to step in and and define things more.
0: Well, we know Hinman had 15 million reasons why he wanted to come up with a reason, a reason for creating that decentralization, you know, and he just kind of came out and said, well, as long as it's decentralized and he didn't even give a percentage. And I'm sitting there going, well, wait a minute. What the hell does that even mean? And Jeremy, when I think of where we are with cryptocurrency today and we're trying to govern it, With a ruling that was made in 1943 or 46, I forgot when the Howey test was done. When this technology, the first patent invented on it, was in 1988, so we're talking about a technology that came out 40 years later off of a ruling, and they were trying to govern it with a ruling that it, it doesn't make sense. Because, for example, maybe decentralization is a piece of what should be part of the new law, right? Maybe that plays into it, and and I'm curious if you see any other elements. In the cryptocurrency space, that as from an attorney perspective, you'd say, yeah, these are the elements that could make up a new, I don't want to call it the Howie test, I would just call it the crypto test, but are there elements that you see as an attorney saying like, yeah, you know what, if I were writing this law of how to define a cryptocurrency, these are the pieces I would look for.
1: Jeremy, I have one quick thing to add to what Johnny said. We talked about it when we played a video of David Schwartz. Governance is actually more important than ownership. If I own if you own 70% of the tokens but I own 30% and I get to make the rules on the ledger, I'm actually more powerful. So I just want to throw that in there and see if that plays into what you're thinking.
3: Well, you know, yes, yes and no. So, I mean, my, my my thoughts in general are that there does need to be kind of, I don't want to say separate rules for for the crypto space, but there are definitely there are definitely some differences between issuing a token and issuing the shares of a stock, right? And because of that difference, I think the disclosures need to be different. So just remember that these rules are all about protecting investors and not protecting them from making bad decisions, but protecting them by giving them all pertinent information, right? That's the whole idea of securities laws is that we need to get correct and relevant information from the companies we're going to invest in. And you know, when ripple or any project issues a token, I don't think that it's the same as issuing a share of a stock with those obligations. So I think there needs to be a second tier of disclosures that these projects need to make, whether they be a regulated white papers or or something like that. But I don't think we should be requiring, you know, a million dollars worth of legal work in order to file these disclosures for these projects. I think it should be something much simpler, but yet something that people can rely on as far as getting information on the tokenomics, use cases, et cetera.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. And I'm going to play a quick video here and we're going to get a follow-up. We are about to end the show. I'm not going to take your whole day, Jeremy, but I just want to say thanks again for being here. Really can't thank you enough. We're going to play one last clip here and go back to the group. Here we go. And for the future of Ripple as well as XRP.
4: Look, The implications for XRP, I think, are profound, right? So we've been had this artificial pressure kind of sitting on top of us. That weight is lifted. It was a very, very, very heavy weight but based upon a very, uh, in my opinion, bloated bureaucratic organization sitting on top of us. Uh, you know, for, so that's, I think we're going to see more entrepreneurs, more developers starting to participate in the XRP community, the XRP ledger activity. That's fabulous. And as I think I was saying, right before I was breaking up the the, the dynamic, there are, uh, dynamics of the XRP ledger, which are far more efficient and, and make it better for certain use cases. And I think that'll be good for the whole community period, you know, for ripple, Look, I mean, somewhat similarly, obviously, our technology stack is really built on top of the XRP ledger. uh, And, you know, we'll continue to invest heavily. There's things we haven't been able to do uh, that now we have clarity. You know, again, if you go back years, I've been the words I want a level playing field. and I want clarity for the XRP community and really for crypto overall. We really have that now. And uh, that's profound. You know, I think I was right starting to say when uh, I was breaking up, You know, I don't know if it's an irony or what, how exactly to describe it, but the fact that now that there are really only two digital assets that are cleared in the United States, officially cleared, Bitcoin and XRP.
1: And that's where I wanted to pause it, Jeremy. Just give me some quick thoughts on what Brad Garlinghouse had to say. And I got two follow-ups before we end the show.
3: Sure. I mean, what he's saying is Look, when you're when you're you know when you're sued by the SEC as a company like Ripple was, uh, you're kryptonite. You know, you reach out for, uh, you know, uh, that's partner. You know, let's do a partnership with this company, this company. And you know, the first thing their legal team will do is say, no, you know, we can't partner with you. Sorry, you're you're in this litigation. So, you know, that is over. You know, as far as Ripple, that's the that's the burden that that he's talking about. I mean, there's also emotional burdens. You know, he's he's still actually still being sued. You know, the company is sued and if things don't go well, your whole company could go under your baby, you know. So there's those things. But I think more importantly, uh, in the space, you know, you, you try to you try to grow your business. And, you know, in the U.S., there probably were just phone calls that said, I'm sorry, we can't do business with you because of the lawsuit. And, and that's over. And that's a humongous thing.
1: Johnny Crypto, I got two quick questions, but I want to give you and Jenna the chance to follow it up before I close us out here. Do you have any closing remarks for Jeremy Hogan? And I got two closing questions before we end the show.
0: Why don't you go with your two closing and then I'll hit it at the end. Perfect. Perfect, guys. So the number one thing I think all of our
1: listeners are asking, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on ETHGATE? We've given some indication here that you're a believer, but I want to get asked the question and get a definite answer. There's a lot of conspiracies. The 15 million with Hinman, the emails in and of themselves are you a believer in the conspiracies? And if so, what are some of your thoughts on the whole ordeal?
3: Well, you know, unfortunately, I don't think anything is going to happen. Um, I think something did happen. So I'm a believer as far as that there there is, a, there is an is, in other words. Um, you know, the thing that the emails showed when we were able to see them is not only was it an Ethereum free pass. So it wasn't just that uh, Ethereum, you know, was given this free pass, but. The Hinman speech specifically, I think, and I think this is what Ripple believes, attacked uh, Ripple and attacked the XRP token specifically because some of the criteria that Hinman laid out weren't just, they just weren't in the law. There were just things that he made up, like, for example, how much of the token, you know, that the, the the founder uh, has. You know, there's nowhere in the law that that's relevant at all. You had to find this way into the speech, and you even see an attorney saying, hey, where are you getting this stuff from? You just, you know, this, this isn't part of the law. And so, you know it, it it's almost as though the whole speech was written to bump uh, bump up ethereum it's a hurt ripple and so I, I could see you know the frustration but you know the, the truth is is that you know as time goes by it's less and less likely that anything is going to happen so i I don't expect anything bad to happen to Hinman or ethereum or I just I just don't see it happening.
1: There's a lot of people who invest in things that we like to call meme coins. Some people call them shit coins. Well, how does that affect the ruling? What is it gonna What is gonna happen to meme coins going forward in the United States? Projects like Shiba Inu and Pepe Coin—they're more marketing campaigns than the actual products in and of themselves. Does this ruling affect those types of projects?
3: Um, I think it could. You know, my my hope my hope is that the SEC, you know, kind of pivots because of this. And really focuses on fraud in the marketplace, because you know if someone wants to invest or buy a Pepe coin or a doge coin or a dog coin, whatever type of coin they want, so what? Who cares? Right? I mean, the problem is is the fraud in the space. and and that's what the SEC is supposed to be policing instead of going after these you know the ripples and the the libraries of the world who are just trying to build a business and doing it in the crypto space. I mean, they really should be focusing on fraud. It's just so unfortunate that they're not, because there is so much fraud in the space, and that's what people need protecting from. They don't need they don't need to be protected from Pepe Le Pew tokens. They need to be protected from guys that are doing pump and dumps and, and scams.
0: Yeah, I think Jeremy, you nailed it spot on. They're focusing their energy in the wrong spot. And it's those fraud things that are causing and giving a black eye to this industry and space. And they're not even doing anything about it. Instead, they're going after the good stuff. The last question I have for you, Jeremy, before we let you go and thank you again for your time today and everything you've done is in your opinion, if the sec was going to appeal this portion of the ruling, would they have done it by now? Just your gut feel.
3: No. um, I think, that even if they're going to try an interlocutory appeal i think we're going to see it sometime in august I, because just because of the amount of time it takes to, to prepare and be ready for that gotcha jeremy awesome. what about the damages
1: to xrp holders by the way a lot of people are asking this question if anyone's been hurt by this lawsuit it's been us it's been the people who were here since 2019 and prior is there anything that we can do what about the damages that we experience
3: you know, um, I, I've got that question a lot on Twitter and, and et cetera. And, and, you know, my the bad news is I don't think there's anything that could be done. You know, there's something called sovereign immunity in the United States, which, you know, you, you can't sue the sovereign. Right. So basically, if you sue an agency of the government, you're suing yourself. And so there's a lot of it's almost impossible to do. It's very difficult. And, you know, even if there is a class action, I don't see it being successful.
0: Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Johnny. Hey, Jeremy, uh, a question from our audience base. I know you're going to be going off into the sunset. We won't see you as much anymore. But once the SEC and Ripple come to this meeting, if there's some settlement, something comes out of it, uh, would you be willing to come back one more time and, and and help our audience, you know, figure this stuff out like you've been doing for the past three years?
3: Anything for you, Johnny. Anything ah. for you.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. We love you. And, uh, I thank love how- you.
1: Guys, yeah. the last thing I think is worth addressing, Jeremy, is you've done so much work for the crypto community and you, have you know, you really haven't been compensated. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but are, are you taking a step back? I know that you said you're not going to make YouTube videos anymore. Are you taking a step back from crypto overall and are just going to become, you know, back to everyday Jeremy Hogan life?
3: That's a good question. I, ha- I haven't decided it. I have decided yet. I didn't know this was going to happen. I'm on vacation, but like I, you know i think before we went on the air i you know there's a couple projects i'm involved with which i really love doing you know my my day to day world is litigation which is always you know it's this mm. and um when i when i'm dealing with the, you know a, a crypto project it's very collaborative and i really am enjoying it maybe i'm getting uh maybe i'm getting kind of uh soft in my old age but it's a lot more fun than uh, bumping heads with kind of jerky attorneys all day long so I'm liking it. I'm going to be around. I just probably won't be uh, out in front of things as much as I was.
1: And I want to formally ask you again, we're just going to say it right here. So we have it on air. We'd love to have you back on our show. We always enjoy when you make time for us. And the last question for our show, because I think some people missed it when we addressed it at the beginning. Did anyone ask what's going to happen to the $700 million fine for Ripple? Can you just re-answer that question and we'll close it out here?
3: Yeah, I think that's going to be. Um, I think there will be a fine for sure. I think there'll be a, a penalty as well, but it's it's not going to be something Ripple can not handle. I think the number is going to be somewhere under 728 million. I don't see I don't see that number holding up um, because that's what it was alleged, and um, so it's going to be something less. So there will be a fine, but I think Ripple is going to be able to pay it. I think they have the cash reserves. I think they've planned, you know, for this eventuality.
0: Go ahead, Johnny. I just want to say, you know, that I agree with our, our, our. Uh, I forgot who just said it, but he said Jeremy Hogan is an effing legend. He is so true, Jeremy. You know, one thing that's really cool about this whole—there it is, right there. One thing that's really been cool about this whole lawsuit thing, Jeremy, is you know, all the, putting all the bad stuff aside. Is it brought the community together? It brought us together, making friendships, becoming friends with you and becoming friends with Jenna. And to me, that's like the silver lining out of this whole thing is. Uh, not only did we end up with a victory in the end, but we all got to come and become friends and build relationships. And I think that's the most exciting part about the whole thing. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you again. You've been, you've been a blessing. We love you. And uh, I'm just glad we got to become friends throughout this whole process.
2: Yeah. Thanks for coming on Jeremy.
1: Thank you, Jeremy.
3: appreciate you guys.
1: Hey, Jeremy, I'm going to kill you. So you. I don't want to kill you with the questions here, but I got to ask one more. There's just one final question. <laughs> one I'm so sorry.
2: Five questions ago. <laughs> this,
1: is, this is my opportunity, right, guys? So could we ever see Ripple become a bank? That's the final question. Ooh, right hand man. to God. Good question.
3: I, I, I think the answer is yes. Um, it's far away, but there's no reason. Let me put it this way. There's no reason why not. Um, you know, I, I don't... And, the only, thing, the only thing I would qualify that as is I don't think Ripple's ever um, said that they want to go down that road. But there's absolutely no reason why that could not happen. Thank you, Jeremy.
1: And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Jenna. And thank you to Jeremy Hogan himself. We got 550 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. I'm wishing you guys an amazing and safe weekend. And we'll see you guys in 72 hours. Like we always say, Warriors. Ah, Shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Me. Let's you. go.